Today is Monday, March 30th, 2020, and you're listening to Corona Toast. J Waves. I'm in the building because where else would I be in these times of quarantine? We have a dope, dope, dope interview with the homie Lachlan Seislaff coming up. We've got our very own email address. Let me know what's good with you, with me, with everyone. Touching you, touching me. Sweet Caroline. Coronatose at gmail.com. That's coronatose at gmail.com. You can just uh, slide into the DMs. Still haven't nut, by the way, for those of you keeping track. I think it's been a week. We're going to call it a week. Usually by now, you know, especially on a day like today. Could be any day, really. Typically, I like to, you know, the interview you're about to hear features a fantastic friend of mine, a booze behemoth, if you will. Great guy, marine biologist, bad motherfucker, bald motherfucker. He's the homie. Let's get it cracking. All right, I am on the phone with the one and only Lachlan Seisloff. I don't normally call him Lachlan. I normally call him Lockjaw. Most of his friends call him, what do they call you? They call you Slow-Mo? Slow, slow, slow-mo, Slachlan, I don't know. And that, yeah, because is that, that's, I know it's related to you being slow, but there is a, a, sloth, con- <laughs> a sloth connection as well, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sloth is definitely my spirit animal. I think our mutual friend Andrew Choi made that observation in high school, and it's just kind of stuck with me ever since. And yeah, I definitely a rep for sloths, man. My other favorite animal last couple of years is a pangolin, which I dressed up for for Mardi Gras a couple of years ago, which no one really knew what a pangolin was. Well, now they all do, and that's kind of fucked. Are you the uh, are you the pangolin ambassador? Yeah, I was ahead of my time with the pangolin outfit. People did not know what I was two years ago, but now, yeah, now they know what's up. Um, That's kind of a grim, a grim omen for New Orleans, wouldn't you say? Yeah, maybe. Um, but, um, but, it, you know, it's good news for pangolins. You know what I mean? They, they, they're like the most trafficked animal in the world, incredibly endangered, and now they're just having karmic retribution like a motherfucker right now. So, I mean, uh, hopefully the pangolin trade is gonna come to a screeching halt now that they are possibly coronavirus vectors. I don't know. Well, so I, I was curious to know how people eat them. One of my friends, shout out to my buddy, Greg Word. He, he, he was joking. He was like, what do they eat them? Like an artichoke, you know, do they like peel off the, <laughs> oh, peel peel off the scales? Oh, no, yeah. Terrible, just like, man. uh, terrible. yeah. How do you eat? I mean, I guess you just, you just rip the outside off and eat the inside. What's, what's good with eating a pangolin? I know you're a vegetarian, but yeah, I'm not really up on like um, how to prepare a pangolin properly, but I, I mean, I, I know that it goes into 
Eastern medicine. I assume it's for like virility and fertility and, you know, erectile dysfunction and all the other reasons that people, you know, grind up endangered animals. But, um, but, um, I don't know, maybe they're making like a pangolin powder, you know, I don't know. Pangolin sauce. I'm not sure. It's definitely all about getting that dick hard pretty much with a lot of these, a lot of these animals. A guy will eat anything if you tell him it's going to make his dick hard again. You know what I mean? Like, what, what won't you put in your body? <laughs> I feel like it's a classic Kama Sutra thing. I don't know where I read this, but um, it was about, um, like, getting a bunch of, like, wasp stingers, basically. And then, uh, <laughs> like, rubbing those on your... Basically, like, stinging your dick a thousand times with, with bee venom. Right, so to it'd make be it... so inflamed, it would kind of look like it was hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> just blow horrible. it up. I mean, hey, bro, anything getting blood down there is gonna... Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying, man. Anything to get the job done, people okay, will do it, man. Word up. So that pangolin, that pangolin might be, uh, might be getting the job done. Shit, we might, we might be, uh... We might be horking that pangolin powder, you know, as, as we get older, bro. There's just really no telling. No, man. No, that's, that's what I'm saying, man. Don't eat a pangolin, man. It's I won't, not, It's not going to work. I won't. Okay. All right. I won't. Bro, but have you been up on wet markets? That's obviously like the big, a big buzzword now. Um, were you up on you the, mean the like concept? animal markets? Well, just the concept like of, yeah, like you go, you, there's an animal in a cage and you're like, I want that. I want that bat. And then they're just like, here's the bat. And I guess either they like slice it up and give it to you right there or I think they butcher it in front of you. I think you pick the animal you want and then they, they cut it up. Yeah. I'm actually not familiar with the term wet market, but yeah, I mean, I think I understand what you're talking about. Wet market. That's where they think the guy ate the wet, bat. Wet markets in, in Wuhan. Yeah. Wuhan. Gotcha. Coronavirus. <laughs> so I, part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you besides just loving to talk to you is that you are, you're coming to us live from uh, New Orleans which is where right. you live. How long have you lived there now? Uh, it has been about eight years. That's right. Yeah, eight years. Okay. So you're. You, would you consider yourself a local at this point? Have you earned your? Have you earned your status yet, or are you still like a? I don't think you can ever really earn your local status in New Orleans if you weren't born here. If you didn't, if you can't like name what high school you went to in New Orleans, like you're not a local. That's fair, and I appreciate you uh, acknowledging that too, and not acting like you're something that you're not. I'm always gonna be. Um, a transplant but i mean there's no I'm, I'm nowhere else i want to be but new orleans and i'm i'm here for the long haul so yeah i know you're committed man and honestly you keep it more real than probably most people uh who were born there so let me ask you this i know this mostly just from headlines you're the only person i know in new orleans and i haven't actually talked to anybody down there but it seems like New Orleans is like the spot for coronavirus right now. Yes. I think it's one of the biggest epicenters in the world by some metrics. Yeah. Okay. So how do you how are you feeling about that being in the the center of the fucking epicenter? Well, you know, I, I don't know how New Orleans compares to uh, North Carolina right now, but um uh, just in terms of like your day-to-day -day life and how it feels being around uh, outside, but um but New Orleans is not it's not it's a small city to begin with. And it's not super densely populated, especially when there's no tourists around, right? Because that's the whole economy is a tourist economy. There are no tourists here right now. So it feels like you it's spacious um, in most parts of the city. Uh, it's really calm. It's really quiet. So it's not um, so feel I mean, my neighborhood is so peaceful. And that's where I've been parked, you know, for weeks. So um, it's not a, you know, you don't go outside and feel stressed out. Um, but on the other hand, I know I have a lot of friends in the healthcare industry, doctors and nurses, and they're all working 24-7 at the hospitals, and the hospitals are, are really scary right now. You know, They're already filling up and running out of resources. So there's sort of a disconnect between, I think, my everyday life at home here and 
you know, some of the realities in other parts of the cities, especially where there are, are sick people. I mean, how do you how do you feel personally? Are you scared? Are you scared for your life? Are you is this business as usual? You know, obviously, New Orleans is a place that deals with adversity like 24 seven. You know what I mean? So yeah. I know this isn't yeah, the first yeah. fucking drama that you're dealing with down there. Um, but honestly, I mean, what is your honest uh, state of mind right now? I'm doing all right. You know, I'm really lucky that I still have a job right now. So I'm able to work from home. I feel very privileged and lucky about that. And that, 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 that does a lot for your, you know, your spirits if you're still making a paycheck. Right. So I'm feeling all right. I've got, there's been some days where I'm down. There's some days, uh, when I'm scared. Um, it's a really small community here. It's a small city. And so, you know, I certainly know lots of people that are sick. You do, you know, you personally know people who have coronavirus. Yeah, 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 certainly. And then there's people one degree of separation from me that have uh, died, you know, um, so. Wow, I just want to I just want to hit a hit a pause for a second. So, you know, one thing that I thought that was very grim, in my opinion, was uh, someone that I know is going to die. You know, I think it's safe to say that when this is all over, I'm going to I'm going to be personally affected by a death. This is only the fourth episode, um, but obviously I've, I'm talking to lots of people that I'm not necessarily doing podcasts with, and I haven't actually heard anybody mention that they officially know somebody who has coronavirus. So to hear you say, not only do you know people, but that you're one degree of separation away from people who have died, like that's gnarly, bro. Like that is, that is very gnarly. Yeah, and I, I think you're right that that is the reality, and we're all going to be in that boat pretty soon if we're not already, you know? Um, wow, dude, I'm, I'm shook. Luckily, nobody that I'm close with, um, has had severe symptoms. Um, and nobody that I know personally yet has, has died, which I'm very thankful for. And I think what I'm, my attitude about all this is I'm just trying to think about the things that I can control, which and have some effect on which are my community, my friends and my family, just trying to look out for all those people, keep checking in with everybody and, um, keep my head down and try not to think about you know, some of these bigger issues that are scary that we, we don't really know what's going to happen, you know, so. Well, you sound very calm and you often do. Um, I've known you since I was about 12 years old. That's 28 years. Um, I've never really seen you too worked up about anything. Not the way I get, at least, you know, I haven't seen you. Like... <laughs> maybe, maybe you see me worked up about my love life before i'm sure man. well sure yeah that's what i was thinking um and you know that that's usually us having conversations though and just feeling like what what the fuck with uh with the love lives but i still haven't seen you be like you know running around i've never seen you move quickly you know what i mean and i'm a person who you know i i tend to freak out though contrary to popular belief what one would expect i'm actually very calm in moments of extreme crisis so even though I'm like, I'll freak out about like the littlest thing, but when like the real shit is popping, I'm actually like very, very chill. That's a really good quality to have. But so I wanted to run a couple of headlines by you that I read about New Orleans and just get your reaction. So the first one is city faces a nightmare and Mardi Gras may be why. Yeah, everybody, and it completely makes sense. Mardi Gras happened for three weeks. You have this massive influx of people going on for three weeks or really more than three weeks. Um, and that happened right before there started to be reported cases in the U.S. So there's definitely some... Uh, whack shit happening in the media right now national media where they're like people are like well you know it's oh new orleans it's their own fault they had mardi gras right in the middle of coronavirus like oh well, you know of course they're gonna have coronavirus they had mardi gras like you know what are you gonna you know 
that's that's on them or whatever. But but there were there weren't reported cases in the U.S. It, there was not a, like a pandemic going on or, or sort of a recognition of a pandemic in the U.S. when Mardi Gras was happening. So nobody thought coronavirus was in the U.S. yet at that time. So. Um, but, it, you know, I'm sure that it was. And I think most people are concluding that, yeah, there were probably people coming to New Orleans, lots of tourists from all over the place, including outside the U.S. for Mardi Gras. And they were bringing coronavirus in and it wasn't reported at that at that point in time yet. But people were already infected. So. Um, so, yeah, you know, I don't think New, New Orleans certainly didn't do anything irresponsible during Mardi Gras. That wasn't on anybody's radar at that time. Uh, I mean, everything's changed so quickly in such a short amount of time. But, um, but yeah, I think before we realized that it was going to be a problem in the U.S., um, it was people were starting to spread it during Mardi Gras. And there's just like, you know, the size of the city is like almost doubling, you know, some parts of that, that period. So, yeah, no, that's that's wild. And that's very real. Next headline. Rats swarm New Orleans streets as coronavirus precautions <laughs> leave them empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, I haven't seen it myself, but if you went, you know, most of the everywhere is shut down, right? So if you go into to the Bourbon Street right now, um, it is a ghost town, and apparently there are rats just running around during the daytime and uh, just big hordes of them just crossing the street you know coming out of the gutter or whatever and i i'm totally speculating but i think there's probably two reasons one they know they're not worried about people there's, they can't see any people walking around so they're not scared they're not keeping a low profile and two i think they're probably all freaking out right now because there aren't a lot of people out creating all that garbage that they snack on all the time right so the the rats are probably just wilding out right now like where is all my food and where are all the people that give me my food you know um, and just to be clear we are talking about rats the animal and not snitches <laughs> that's right that's right um yeah there's no snitching there's no snitching during uh, coronavirus but rats yeah okay yeah. um last last headline Local New Orleans man, Lachlan Sisloff, is apparently friends with the stripper Juan Wavo spent $1,000 on on his birthday. <laughs> uh, it's true, and I, I've been seeing her around. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to have to talk more, <laughs> talk more about that off air. Um, she's, at, she's at the park, man. Is, does she have coronavirus? Nah, I think she's good, man. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to talk more about that later. Just <laughs> yeah, you we and can me. follow up about that later. <laughs> um, so uh, just real quick, I just want to gloss over this to get into some other things, but I'd love to hear yeah. your take on this um, just briefly. How, how would you say you and I met? Uh, we met in a seventh grade. Uh, you were in this, we were in this program. We had all our classes together and uh, you were making crazy buck wild cartoons you were drawn all the time i was feeling it and uh and you were just um you know wild now in class because you know you're just you know you're just wild like that and uh, and so obviously i was like I, I this is somebody i was trying to be friends with you know somebody cool what really bonded us um i would say uh besides our love of you know talking about girls our love of drawing uh probably a love of like wizards and warriors and and Dungeons and Dragons and shit, even though we never actually played. I know we read some books and we like rolled some dice, but we never actually played a game. But um, we love hip hop. And yeah. uh, I don't know anybody that loves hip hop more than you. And you probably don't know anybody that loves it more than me. I mean, you might know some people that are more nerdy about it. But like when it comes to love, I mean, it's really hard to find someone that straight up loves rap more than I do. We, we've talked so much about rap and I wanted to do a little uh, trivia session here. Uh, with you Let's do it. Um, and see see what you got. We're going to keep it old school here. 
Um, this first one is a doozy, and it's all right if you miss this one, but the first one is a doozy. What is Lord Finesse's real name? Oh, my God. No, I have no idea. I have, yeah, like, that's not something I, I don't think I ever knew. I thought you might know it because you read all these books, and I thought maybe you would have come, come across it. I do, it. I just read the... I read the whole backstory of, of his first album, the Funky Technician LP, but okay. I just do not remember. You know, I, I wasn't name. sure if he referenced it in songs or not. It's Robert Hall Jr. I didn't expect you to get wow. that one. Um, Dang. But I thought I would throw that out there because if anybody knew, if I thought if anybody would know it, though, it would be you. Okay. Yeah. Next question. I know you're not a huge Naughty by Nature fan. What is the uh, name of Naughty by Nature's DJ? Uh, KG. Yep. Very good, very good. I wish I had an applause, uh, he, applause on here. I'll just hit you with the air horn. I mean, he's got, you know, I never like Naughty that much, but uh, he's got beats though, man. Like I can't front. I mean, did he, did he, he did the bulk of that production, right? I'm pretty sure he did. Definitely in the early days of Naughty, and um, I think he's probably a little slept on. You know, he's probably kind yeah. of like does more than you think he does, or as yeah. opposed to someone like Ali Shahid Muhammad, who does actually a lot less than you think he does. <laughs> But uh, yeah, there's so many DJs that you're like, you just thought they made all the beats all that time, you know? Well, dude, hey, man, that's a that's a podcast. You and I could do an entire podcast just on uh, DJs who are fronting. But um, yeah, all right, all right. Uh, next question: um, What is the name of KRS One's brother, who he's always shouting out on old school? Uh, oh, Scholar Rock, of course. Um, it's actually not. Oh wait, wait, that's not. Is that actually no, that's his friend, right? Ken yeah, Parker. Scholar Rock is like a brother, not blood though. Who's his blood right, brother right, right, right. that he shouts out a lot? Uh, it's Kenny Parker, right? Yep, yep, you got it, yeah, you yeah, got yeah. it. Very yeah. nice, very nice. All right, this last one is a two-part question. D Nice has really uh, propelled himself to the front of oh my of God. pop culture. Everybody's talking about D Nice and his like marathon Instagram streams or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. I can't. I mean, look, I was a D Nice fan a long time ago. I am not mad about him getting some props now. He's been wearing funny hats and kind of doing that whole, you know, modern, uh, modern grown and sexy thing. And that's fine. I would probably wear hats like that if I could pull them off, but I've been a D nice fan for a long time. I'm probably the only person that owned his second album. You put me up on D nice back in the day. I remember that, man. Yeah. Okay. So you had the tape, right? Yeah. 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 So first question, first question, what is the name of the first D nice album? Uh, I don't know, but it's the one that had my name is D Nice, right? Right, but that's not actually the name of the song. The album. But you're close. Well, so the name of the song. The name of the song. The name of the album is the name of the song, but it's not. It's you're oh, close. Wait, wait, uh, uh, um, Think about what he says before the hook drops. Taking that you suckers and you don't know how to man. That is the hook. What does he say before that? Mm. Just call me D Nice. Oh, call me D Nice. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, we were looking for yeah, call yeah. me D Nice. So the next question is. On that album, he has a song about the Civil War that was featured <laughs> in a movie that is has the same name as the title of the song. What is the name of the song? Oh, my God. Here's a hint. The movie had Morgan Freeman and, I believe, Matthew Broderick in it. And at the time, was probably one of the only movies really uh, talking about the Civil War. Oh, not Glory. What else? That's it, bro. It's Glory? It's Glory. Oh my God! I've never heard the whole Dean Ice album except maybe on your bunk bed in seventh grade. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard it since. That was that was one of the singles actually. That was one okay. of the singles off the album. So you you got three out of five. Um, I'm gonna probably insert some applause. 
some applause sounds here. Yeah, I mean, I, I was that was a poor showing, man. But you know what? I, you know what? I mean, when I think of D Nice, I think of that beat really for that "Call Me D Nice" song. Oh yeah, I mean, amazing. That was, um, um, Nicely flipped by uh, by Mary J. Blige, by the way. I'm Mary J. Blige, oh. J. Blige. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a um. I think it's. I'm trying to think what the. I'm trying to redeem myself right now with some nerdy trivia but i think the break is like the turtles maybe buzzsaw i can't remember um that but it's, nasty um, nasty organ yeah it's so yeah. good it's so good question you are a vegetarian i am not a vegetarian yeah. so right now my freezer even though i'm trying to eat less meat especially i got to tell you i don't know if any uh you or anybody else listened to my uh my bonus episode that i just posted but i had a panic attack from um just freaking out on an edible. And whenever I get... Hey, when, when, when did this happen? Like two days ago. Okay. And whenever I get too stoned, meat starts to look really disgusting to me. So I kind of like yeah. understand why these like quote unquote hippies, you know, these like stoner hippie vegetarians. It's like I get it. Like sometimes I'm so fucked up that like the thought of eating flesh is like disgusting. And I just want... I was eating a... I was at work one time eating some cauliflower and I was really, really, really high. And I'm looking at the cauliflower and I'm like, this is, this is so perfect. This is so natural. Like I'm eating a flower. Like I'm literally eating a flower that nature grew. You know, it was, it was amazing. So, but regardless, uh, I do love wings. I love burgers. I love chicken. So my freezer right now is full. Meat is really easy to freeze. And my freezer has a ton of meat products in it that I will be eating over the course of this quarantine. As a vegetarian, me personally, if I was going to go that route, you know, I'd want to kind of shop like Euro style, you know, like go to the store like every day, every other day, try to get some fresh produce, see what's really looking good, especially because I worked in a produce section for a long time. So, you know, I'd have my eye on like fresh produce and not frozen. So I'm just wondering what you as a vegetarian, what are you doing? Is your freezer like stacked top to bottom with lentil pockets? Like what are you, <laughs> what are you doing as a vegetarian um, to stock up on food? Or are you even not, are you not even tripping about it? Well, first of all, I feel like you're really onto something with the stones appeal of vegetables. You might be like getting at Rasta, like some of the Rasta philosophy, right? Like Ital food and, you know, vegan Rasta is being stoned all the time and just eating. Like, have you ever been to Ital, like Jamaican Ital restaurants? No, I don't, even, I don't even know what you're saying. I thought you were like short for Italians. I don't, I don't know what you mean. No, it's like Ital, like I think it's like short for Vike. Vital, um, but um, Vital is just like Rasta cuisine, which I think is pescatarian, but off, but often um, just ve just veggie stuff and maybe a little bit of fish. So if you can find Ital spots, um, there's some that are starting to pop up in New Orleans, um, but um, it's just delicious Caribbean vegetarian food, like jerk tofu and fried lentil balls. And you know I like lentils, um, so it's just uh, it's delicious, man. As far as my food, my refrigerator, yeah, it's packed to the gills. Um, what what do I what am I eating a lot of? Probably too much soy. I've got a lot of veggie burgers and things like that in the freezer. Um, I have a lot of beans. I love Indian food. I'm trying to get step up my Indian cooking game, so I've got a bunch of recipes. And you know, the secret to Indian food is just getting your spice rack, you know, on point, just up to up to snuff, right? Give it up, give it up for the spice rack. <laughs> um, so once you got like, you know, once your spice rack is on that level, then you can really do a lot. And I've got a million kinds of lentils now, you know. I got I'm making dolls pretty much, different kinds of dolls. So um, 
you know, it's a lot of beans and rice, man. So would you say you're making dolly, 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 my baby? (laughs) (laughs) Dude, nobody listening to this is going to think that's funny except for you and me. Hey, bro. Shout out to, um, shout out to Super Cat. Um, yo, so (laughs) last thing, bro. And, and, you know, you don't say this, this is me saying it, but you are a tiki drink master. Um, in my opinion, I'm, I'm dying when this is, I mean, you know, I used to not have to say when this is all over, but now do you, do you find yourself saying when this is all over, by the way, because this is something that I I always say when this is all over, I'm going to have a cocktail party at my house and it's going to be buck wild. I don't know anybody who knows the tiki drink life like you do. I know there's a lot of tiki people out there and I've met a lot of them and they're all very cool, but I know you, I know your mind, I know your brain, I know you'd be, you be researching this shit and I know you'd be taking it very seriously. So I love having tiki drinks with you. I love having drinks with you in general. Do you have uh, a recipe for us, you know, for these quarantine times? I, I know I asked you and you said you had some ideas for the people at home. Uh, can you just bless us with um, some coronavirus themed drink ideas. You know, yeah, I do love tiki drinks. The problem with that though, is that you have to invest a lot of time um, accumulating all, all, all the ingredients because a lot of tiki drinks have a lot of ingredients and it's intimidating to people. You got to make syrups and things like that. That can be annoying. Um, but I do have a couple ideas that, that are a little bit less complicated that people can do at home. One thing I love doing um, and this is the kind of thing you can sort of make your drinking experience a little more exciting without having to go out to the store and buy something new that you don't already have is, is doing infusions. Um, and, uh, where you're basically putting something, different kinds of things in your bottled liquor you already have and turning it into something just different and delicious. Um, it's one idea. And I know you're in North Carolina. Everybody's drinking bourbon and uh, and rye out there, and that's what they got. And you go to liquor store, ABC stores in North Carolina. The the only liquor you're gonna have a really great selection of is um is is whiskey, right? So, um, one thing I love doing, and I didn't come up with this. This is um an idea that uh, this famous cocktail bar, Death and Company, in New York, came up with, and they have a really amazing cocktail recipe book called Death and Company's Recipes. If anybody needs something like that these during these times, um. But um, they, uh, the idea is take, um, take any kind of bourbon that you like and you infuse it with pecans, and um, it is delicious. And so the way to do that is take a bottle, and I think a, a half cup or a cup, you're not going to overdo it, um, of pecans, break them up into pieces, put a little bit of salt on them, maybe some, a little bit of cayenne pepper, but just like a tiny bit because you don't want to have a salty bottle of alcohol. Um, and then you, uh, bake that, uh, in the, you roast it, sorry, in the oven for about 20 minutes on, you know, I think like 400 degrees, something like that, just to make them really fragrant and get some of that oil coming out of them. And, um, and then you put all these crumbled up pecans in a giant Mason jar with a bottle of alcohol or some kind of, some kind of wide mouth container. Right. And, uh, that'll fit the whole bottle of, of liquor and you let that sit for, three or four days and you just taste test it and it's going to impart like all this nutty flavor fattiness you know and um and then you strain it out and it'll keep indefinitely you know in like a dark place in your cupboard um it's not going to go bad it's too much alcohol in there and uh and you make it old-fashioned with uh with uh this pecan infused bourbon and it is going to be delicious you can also what i've been doing a lot lately is uh fat washing which is like this 
some kind of mixology bartender trend, but it's it's delicious and it's really easy. So you're basically taking some kind of oil that has a nice flavor and you put it in a bottle of liquor. Um, so what I've been doing is doing cachaça or rum infused with coconut oil. So you would go and get coconut oil, the kind that's unrefined, that's like really smells like coconut, you know, not the flavorless kind of coconut oil, really coconutty stuff. You put six ounces of that in a full bottle of cachaça. You let that sit for um, in a container for like six hours, let it infuse, and then you put it in the freezer and then let it sit overnight. Now, when it freezes, the oil is going to separate out and solidify on top of that. Right, right, and then you can scrape that off. Yeah, and then next thing you just scrape it off, and a lot of that flavor, though, and savoriness and a little bit of that oil is going to remain in the booze. Wow. And all of a sudden, you're going to have like this subtle velvety smooth coconutty bottle of cachaça and then you can you know make a um caparina and i like to do that with like you take a lime you quarter it put it in a glass put a teaspoon of sugar in there or like a quarter ounce half ounce of simple syrup if you want to make simple syrup and uh, then you gently muddle the lime and the sugar together and then you put two ounces of that um coconut cachaça in there and then you've got a pretty nice um covid caparina bro bro bless i gotta hit you with all the samples bro we gotta hit you with everything bro <laughs> bro that sounds so good for the i mean for the record you could skip all that and just buy some malibu right but um <laughs> you know, malibu, yeah, same I, shit, man. i want to fuck shit. with i want to fuck with malibu but uh, it smells like suntan lotion it does i love coconut but not the suntan lotion kind yeah Dude, this has probably been my favorite podcast so far. You're an amazing guest. Really? Uh, yeah, oh, man. Thanks, I just uh, It's probably because we're such close friends. I just love talking to you anyway. But this has been the most, uh, the easiest conversation for me because you and I talk on the phone a lot. So it's really, this is just business as usual for me. But uh, we're going to be checking back in with you, man. I'm worried about you, your proximity. I wanted to talk about Scarface. Shout out to Brad Jordan. We're worried about you, buddy. Um it's uh it's such i don't know it's i mean celebrities are weird right they're just they're just regular people you know but i, I do want to read this um this little snippet that i saw that really touched me because I, I i thought we were going to take some time to, to talk about scarface but it says yeah, to, yeah. to pass the time scarface said he was watching all american on netflix i don't know what that is and catching up with friends family and peers like ice tea and ice cube <laughs> yeah, i love that it really it scared me to hear about Scarface. Um, I, I think he had a, a really bad symptoms. Um, he shook. I, he's he I mean, he before. literally said he's terrified. He was interviewed by Ludacris on Instagram and said he was he was quote unquote terrified. He was interviewed by Willie D too, and yeah, he said he had some kind of um, he said he had pneumonia and some kind of kidney failure. Um, but it sounded like he was recovering. So, um, so I'm really glad to hear that, man. I, I hate the idea of of uh, all this taken away you know, these, these heroes and icons that we, we grew up on and, um, and culture bearers and stuff like that. And I know people are worried about that in, in New Orleans, you know, there's so many famous, um, musicians here that really made New Orleans, uh, internationally famous in the 20th century. And a lot of those folks are, are old now, you know, um, and, uh, and I don't want anything to happen to any of them anytime soon. So, well, damn, that's a somber note. That's a somber note to go out on. Um, but buddy, I love you. Be safe. Stay away from everybody, please. And, um, I don't know, man, make sure you, you, I know you're drinking lots of lime, so you're getting that vitamin C, bro. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting scurvy, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. All right. Man. Um, uh, it was really good to catch up with you, man. I, I, uh, hope you're doing all right out there and, um, let's talk again soon. All right, man. Sounds good. 
All right, man. Peace. All right, peace. He's a pangolin looking motherfucker.